Ride Detroit Weekly is brought to you by Wingman Water, the original drinking water. Drinking sparkling water out of an old school long neck bottle just feels right. Gives you that little bit of confidence to socialize with the rest of the crowd without needing the alcohol to fit in. Party on with confidence and no hangover at caterwingman.com. That's cater, K-A-T-E-R, wingman.com. Loomis Helmet, the world's first smart bicycle helmet with integrated headlight, brake light, and turn signals. Whether you're traveling by bike, scooter, or board, Loomis Helmets will make sure you're seen and safe along the way. Check out what they're doing now at Kickstarter or loomishelmet.co. That's loomis, L-U-M-O-S, helmet.co. Griffin Claw Brewing Company. Michigan brewed world-class beers with tradition and innovative technology, including the award-winning Raggedy Ass IPA. Visit a tap room in Birmingham and Rochester Hills, Michigan, or on the web at griffinclawbrewingcompany.com. That's griffinclawbrewingcompany.com. Tapped Beverages. Serving up small batch non-alcoholic craft beverages and food since 2018. They also do wholesale keg deliveries for restaurants, hotels, your house, and more. Step up your hospitality with nitro cold brew coffee on tap to share at your home or business. Order and find out more at tappedbeverages.com. That's tapped, T-A-P-P-E-D, beverages.com. American Cycle and Fitness, Michigan's largest bicycle retailer with a focus on excellent customer service. Trek certified mechanics are some of the best and guaranteed to keep you rolling. In addition to seven bike shops in the Metro Detroit area, located in Midtown Detroit is Electric Avenue Bikes. The e-bike exclusive store with a focus on getting more people on bikes due to the comfort of an e-bike assisting you along the way. Also, the home of Ride Detroit walking and e-bike tours and the Ride Detroit Weekly Podcast. Browse, shop, and learn more at AmericanCycleAndFitness.com. That's AmericanCycleAndFitness.com. Wow. <laughs> the mission here is that we're trying to get more people yeah. on Are we live right now? Everybody, Marshall Simons. What's up, brother? Hey, Jason. How are you? What's going on, man? How's, how's everything going, man? I haven't seen you in person in so long. Yeah, it's been a really crazy year. Uh, I was actually in Columbia March 14th last year when the borders were closing. So I had like one of the last flights back to Detroit and uh, I took one of like the, when Columbia opened back up again, uh, I came back in November and spent four months there. And now right now I'm in Mexico. It's, uh, it's, been, quite a, it's been quite a ride. I can only uh, imagine, dude. I can only imagine so. how, how wild it's been. But before we get into all that, Let's start, let's get out of the way why you're here. Um, I know you, you know, you're one of the, one of the first people to start pedicabbing in Detroit. Um, people know what pedicabs are from seeing them, but I, I, talk about what Motor City Pedicab is. So I, about eight years ago, I, my friend Brian and I had this idea to make pedicabbing a regular thing in Detroit that you could rely on. So we each borrowed a bike from a guy from California and I uh, spent the summer, you know, out every day building pedicab culture. Uh, we decided that in a city like Detroit, the best route would be to make it very affordable and tell people they could pay whatever they wanted. 
So uh, we have like sliding scale rides uh, um, from the riverfront to about Midtown, from uh, Eastern Market to Corktown. Um, and at this point, uh, we have 21 bikes total. Uh, we're hoping to put 15 on the road this year, even with a limited uh, market. And uh, we've been just growing pedicab culture here in the city. Hi. So the pedicabs, they, you know, for people to, to give you a visual, sorry, we don't have any photos, but, you know, they are the, the, the bikes that have that almost look like a chariot. They have the two, the two seat attachment on the back. And what you guys do is you run trips, you know, all around downtown during events, sort of filling those gaps, getting people to their cars or to their places. Uh, and at sometimes just going for a ride, uh, you know, so. Yeah, I I think I like. I think a lot of people think of us as uh, bicycle rickshaws. Uh, I've, I've heard them called tuk-tuks, buggies. All, I mean, people come up with all kinds of names for what we're doing. But basically, it's a giant tricycle with the chariot on the back. It's completely human powered. Um, it has a mountain bike drivetrain, so you know you can get it going pretty fast. Uh, unloaded, I think they've topped out around 18 miles an hour, which is you know, I mean, it's not fast for a road bike, but for a, you know, a 250-pound bicycle, it's pretty good. Absolutely, absolutely. And do, do you have any idea how many people that you might see in a summer? You know, do you keep numbers on those things at all? Um, well, I, I don't know how many, like, it's interesting because a night can go so many different ways. Like, you can have a night where you're outside of Tigers and people are, taking quick rides to Greektown and your whole night consists of five to 10 minute rides. Or like you said, some people just want to take a ride. And I mean, that's really the real joy of it is like doing a tour of the city with somebody, you know, like sometimes I, I leave the Tigers and I have somebody on the bike and all of a sudden we've been out riding together for an hour and a half. And, you know, we're in a whole different part of town and they're seeing things they've never seen before. And it's like really exciting to show them, you know, a different experience than just, you know, the Greek town strip. And that's part of your, your, your thing, your, you know, your MO is to show people. You're not just here to ride people around. You're actually providing the service where you're giving information and you're shining light on the city of Detroit. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of the times we get to feel like ambassadors for the city, you know, we're here to like, um, I mean, maybe it's take them inside the Michigan garage and let them take a peek at the old theater. You know, maybe it's take their Eastern market and show them the murals that they probably would like. If they have a bad knee, bad hip, something like that, like they probably wouldn't walk that far, you know? And a lot of our customers are people who are mobility challenged and like the pedicab becomes a way for them to see more and cover more ground and, you know, like really plug into the bicycle culture of the city without having to do the pedaling themselves. Um, I remember uh, maybe six, seven years ago, I got a call from a guy and he wanted to take his 90 year old father on slow roll. And I was like, yeah, we can totally do that. And uh, it was like such a cool experience because he'd been hearing from his son all about slow roll and uh, you know this culture for such a long time. And finally he's now right in the middle of the pack of bicycles, which you can't really put that into words. You know, it's it's such a, 
you know, a magical experience of being part of like almost a school of fish. Did you ever think that this would be, you know, sort of what you are now? Like when you started this, were you thinking I'm going to be an ambassador to the city of Detroit? Was that part of the plan or, or did you just evolve into that? It, it all kind of just fell together. Um, I think, you know, I, I have done bike, bike messenger work when I lived in San Francisco. I co-owned a, a bicycle messenger company that delivered kosher food. And for a while, I had a bike messenger company in Detroit. Um, we ended up getting basically bought out by a, like a multinational brand. And, you know, I mean, it was just to the point where like, we couldn't really do anything to compete with them in terms of like, they, they weren't really paying living wages to, to do it. And, you know, we were used to being able to make a living doing it. So we're like, okay, you know, if you guys want to take it, take it. So I guess I always knew I'd be doing bicycle related things. Like, um, it's been 15 years of bike jobs, but I never, I, I, I never thought it would be pedicab, but once I started doing it, I completely fell in love with it. It's, I mean, it's just so much fun. Like, People are like, how do you give up your Friday and Saturday nights every week? And I'm like, I don't feel like I give them up. I feel like I get them. Like, I feel like when I'm on a Friday night on my bike, like I'm right where I want to be. Yeah, no, it's crazy because I went through, I went through your Facebook and I did try to find pictures of you, but there's thousands of pictures of everyone else, but you, and that's you. That's the story of you, you know what I mean? Like, whereas other people would want to be in the photo, you're about the experience and people walking away with a smile on their face. What is it, have you ever had, what's the craziest story, you know, that you've had on a pedicab? You ever had, I know you've had probably some proposals maybe. I mean, what's a crazy story that you can uh, share? Don't, yeah, don't yeah. go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have a I have a regular and he calls me and he's like every time he pretends like he's never done it before. So he's like, is this that bike company? You know, and he's acting real vague, like he doesn't know what it is. And like I know exactly who he is. But I like play along and we go pick at him and whatever Tinder date he's managed to find up from a bar. <laughs> and we do a little one tour around the city where we act like we don't know each other. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It is so much fun. I, I'm going to tell you, it is so much fun. Um, you know, and he's he's funny. Like, it almost always happens where he's at like a fancy bar and he walks out of the bar carrying the glass. And he like, it's like he's showing off. Like, I look at me, I've got a chariot. I, I'm taking my drink on it. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. I mean, you guys are out there in the thick of it. I mean, you know, I, how many, do you know, what, what's the most amount of miles you've ridden in a night? I know you've got to know that. Um, well, so sometimes I look at my, like, I, I don't use any sort of tracking, but like uh, Google keeps track of you through like Google Maps. So they'll say like 45, 50 miles is pretty common for, you know, an average night of pedicabbing. Um, I mean, like, it's better when you have a night where you only go, you know, 15 miles, but with like the same passengers, like those are the nights that are like, you actually see something. 
when it's 50 miles, it's 50 miles of back and forth. It's just, you know, it's it's the uh, the hamster wheel. So yeah. I definitely prefer the nights where, you know, like sometimes if you're doing uh, Shane Park, you're just going up and down the hill all night long. And I mean, that's not nearly as fun as, you know, you pick up a couple walking back to their car from Shane Park and they say, hey, you know, I haven't seen the city in a while. You think you can take us back downtown? And, you know, that turns into an adventure. What about those hot days? You know, is there ever a day you walk out and it's 99 degrees and you're just like, this is not going to be a fun day because you're not using any e-power. You're, you're all human power. You refuse. We've talked about e-power before and you refuse to use it. Yeah, we're uh, motor free in the Motor City. Um, I guess, yeah, there's days when like it's uh, a daytime baseball game, you know, like a, a Sunday day game and it's 90 degrees and you're like looking for shadows to sit in as you wait for passengers. Um, I mean, there's days when it's definitely rough. Um, you know, we're all getting a little sunburned out there and uh, just trying our best to drink enough water. It's uh, like, it's difficult to drink enough water when you're out there. And I, the amount of calories you burn when you're pedicabbing, I mean, like, I feel like weird saying this, but like I weigh more right now than I, I ever do. So like, I look at myself, I'm like, wow, like you're like chubby right now. And I mean, you know, I will say, I, is like, I will say your face does look fuller. I will say like, you do oh. look a little fuller than usual. Yeah. It, it's just, uh, I'm used to burning 5,000 calories a day. Like I'm used to being like, oh yeah, I want a Euro. Yeah. I want tacos. Yeah. I need sushi. Like, I mean, when you're out there, like, you, you, let's say you have passengers and they're like, uh, hey, uh, what's good to do around here? You're like, hey, do you guys want dessert? And like, you're really just thinking, because I really want dessert, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. So like, we're talking about sort of the challenges in this, you know? Um, we're talking about, you know, there must have been challenges in going to the city and even introducing this type of legislation because you guys brought it. You know, like it evolved through you guys. So there was some legislation already on the books. Um, and it was like, it was like a guy had started to do pedicabbing and just kind of brought a bunch of ideas for what the laws could look like to the city. And the city just took like an amalgamation of different cities' laws and made like an overcomplicated, convoluted rule system. And, you know, it wasn't really workable to actually pedicab with it. So I, we definitely went to court a few times and like had to hash things out with, you know, what pedicabbing would be in Detroit. But overall, the city has been incredibly like open to the idea of pedicab culture. Um, you know, I, so many people within the city, city officials uh, and, people working in the Coleman Young building have really went out of their way to make sure pedicab culture uh, thrives in Detroit. So it's been really cool to be able to build a relationship with, you know, uh, people who are really outside of my culture, you know, like I, I don't have much experience in bureaucracy culture. Right. So like they're, you know, they're still, you know, once they get in the bike, they're like, this is good. I like this, you know? Um, 
I, Carla Henderson, I, I think she's at the Black History Museum now, but I, at one point, I, Carla wrote me a letter to bring to the judge to basically vouch for pedicabbing culture. And it was just like, I just felt like so cool that like, you know, somebody up at the top was like, yeah, this kid's cool. Let him do what he's doing. He's building something cool. And I think at this point, like uh, the pedicab culture is really strong in Detroit. Like we have something unique, you know? Um, I think a lot of people have an experience in New York or Chicago where they get overcharged for a pedicab and then they never want to do it again. And we worked really hard to make sure that pedicabbing is affordable, that people can pay what they think is fair, that it's understood that it is affordable. So when people get in a bike, they know, you know, if they've got $3, they're going to get where they need to go. If they've got a million dollars, they're going to get where they need to go. And we're not going to like tell them, oh, you can't go where you need to go because you're not rich. And that's really cool. Um, in New York, you know, people are looking at $50, $100 for a pedicab ride. And it makes it, you know, it makes it something you did it once, you found out the price afterwards, and you never want to do it again. And in Detroit, I think more than anything, we see the same people week after week. Um, you know, when we go down to Shark, everyone knows that they can park a little bit further away and there'll be a pedicab there to zip them right into the front. And and they love it, you know, like they, they love being able to get the $5 lot instead of the $20 lot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, that's, and that's something, you know, you don't think about that. You guys are an alternative form of transportation, just like a spin. You're, you're really closing that gap. And once again, providing a service, like you said, if I'm going to pay $40 for parking, now I can park that extra 10 blocks away, pay five and still get there. And that's the main question I hear all the time is, how is this sustainable? But I think you really just explained it is that, you know, you create a service that's fair and people will come back to that. Is that how you went about this when you thought about sustainability or did that ever come up in your mind? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. We might have got a freeze. Oh, oh, the thing is, people are so generous. Am I cutting out right now? Yeah, you. I was losing you a little bit. Coming back in, but you're all right. Keep talking. Yeah. There you go. I mean, I'm in Mexico City, and the, the Wi-Fi here is not the strongest in the world. Um, I think that the people are generous. You know, I, I have people who are taking the, a two-block ride to Shane Park, and they're like, hey, I like what you're doing, kid. You know, it's weird. I, I'm 38 years old and, and you know, they'll, they'll ask me, they're like, oh, are you doing this while you're in college? And I'm like, yo, man, we're the same age. But <laughs> um, anyway, I, people all the time, they like, they're, they're generous. They're like, oh, like, you know, they look at it like they're helping me through college. And for a lot of my drivers, they are helping them through college. I have, I have a lot of drivers who this is their summer job. And when they go back to school, you know, they don't have a job and they're able to, you know, put enough money away from pedicabbing to be able to, you know, pay the bills when they're in school, you know, and I think that's really cool. And it all comes down to just letting people be generous. You know, when you, when you tell somebody it's $20 for a ride, you basically just like, you know, denied everybody with less than $20. And anybody who thought about giving you more than $20 is, 
is like, oh, well, I don't have to give him any more than that, you know? Like, right. it just draws a line in the sand that you need to draw. Have you ever had anybody who was just like, I don't want to, but they just gave you like a ridiculous amount of money. They were just like, you are incredible, dude. Like what you're doing. Like, have you ever had a celebrity on? I got to ask that too. You ever just randomly uh, pick up a celeb? Not that I know of, but I don't think I follow celebrity culture enough to know. And you don't, you don't. I just, um, they, I mean, yeah, nobody that I know is famous. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, wait, wait, wait. And, I'm famous. You do know yeah, somebody's famous. I gave you the right. Okay. I uh, <laughs> I took you up to Eastern Market by a few years back. Took you to uh, uh, where did we go? I forgot. We went I forgot. Right. Somewhere. Yeah, I, that it's was all, back in the blur, you know. Yeah. Um, so I've had people tip hundred dollar bills. I it happens more regularly than you think. I like. It's it's always just somebody who you wouldn't expect. They just they're like, I really love this, and you're like, yeah, you know, blah blah blah. I love it too. And they're like, no, no, <laughs> I really love this. And then the hundred dollar bill comes out, and you know, the thing is, people are at the casino. You know, people. There's a lot of times somebody is holding more money that day than they usually do, right. and they're like, what do I do with this? And you're like, oh, I'll take some. <laughs> right. That I, cause like, yeah, I don't even, you guys are literally everywhere. Every time you mention a new place, I forget. Yeah, you guys go to the casino. Is there, what's the, what are the boundaries of, of you guys? Where do you stop? I mean, there really isn't a boundary. Like, I, okay. So a couple of years ago. <laughs> Here we go. During the, uh, the Grand Prix, you know how there was traffic going onto the bridge. So it was really difficult. So, Brian has a regular downtown and we're like in like a uh, Greek town area and his regulars like I got to go to Belle Isle and back to go pick up some souvenirs at the Grand Prix. Uh, can I get a ride there and back? Now that that's a hell of a pedicab ride. That's uh but in terms of like with the Grand Prix traffic and the the bumper to bumper people on the bridge, a pedicab ride was really the absolutely most, you know, reliable way to get what the guy needed to get on the island and get off the island. And I mean, I was like, wow, like that's that's a hell of a ride. And you know, the guy was generous for it. He's a a, a good regular and you know, he understood what he was asking for was a lot, but he also understood he didn't want to go sit, you know, in a taxi for, you know, 3 4 hours right. waiting to get on and off the island. Right, man. Jeez. That, yeah, that is a hell of a ride, man. So this year you've been pretty much on tour. You had kind of a year off, unfortunately, uh, due to the, the pandemic. Uh, how, you know, how did that, how's this year been dealing with the pandemic and not really being able to do what you do? It's been really weird for me. Um, we really rely on like uh, baseball, football and sports traffic you know to to drive pedicabbing um you know we have really great advertising partners who vinyl wrap the bikes and uh it just didn't make sense to any of our advertisers to put out bikes without that audience so we stayed closed for a year um we were able to get uh, a couple small grants to help us cover some of our operating costs um 
you know, we're, we're excited because we're able to ride it through and we'll be able to open in the spring. Um, and it's really, it's been thanks to, you know, uh, the, the grants and nonprofit community that supported us. Um, and, you know, during the year off, uh, I kind of focused on other projects. Um, I do a photography project around the world. Um, I take portraits of people on the street. Uh, I've been learning Spanish, so I can explain my project in Spanish and ask somebody if they'd like to take a photo and I give them the photo. Uh, it's based around the idea that like a lot of the beauty standards uh, created by the dominant culture and the media um, don't show the people of the region. So like uh, you'll see more white European looking people in the media and you won't see uh, the indigenous and people of color. Uh, so I just take pictures of regular people in the street and I share the photos with the people. Um, I probably do 20, 30 portraits a day on like any normal day. Um, I, I take my camera around the world. Uh, I've been to 19 countries so far. Uh, this year, I really concentrated on Colombia um, and I did four months uh, like in small towns in Colombia. Um, in terms of like the pandemic there, they had a really strict quarantine for six months. Uh, you were only allowed to leave your house one day a week and only to go to the grocery store. So I, when I came, I had to get two COVID tests before I came in. And I, you know, it's the typical rules apply. You wear a mask, you wash your hands. Uh, they temperature check at every door of every public space. Uh, there's, um, they take your ID so they can, uh, you know, if, if a virus does break out, they can, you know, get a hold of everybody. And they uh, usually spray your shoes. There's a uh, shoe cleaning in every space. So you're not dragging in dirt off the street uh, or viruses. Uh, um, interesting. I, I, I hadn't seen that in the U.S. I still haven't seen that in the U.S. So that is something that I wonder why, you know, if they're on to something. So it's got to be. How, how has it been down there during this time? Have, I mean, has it felt different than other times when you've been down there? Or are people down there just sort of going with the flow of how everything is? Um, I mean, I think they, they really reacted well, primarily by really creating a strict quarantine. So they didn't have the, the numbers that we had in the US, you know? I mean, I, uh, it, it's always weird to like try to explain the US to people in other places because we're crazy. We're like the craziest people in the world. Like when, you know, and, and it's like a lot of times you have to be like, oh, no, no, that's not me. Because like the, the people in Lansing with their guns fighting over getting haircuts. Like try to explain that to somebody else in the world. And they're just like, that is so absurd. Why wouldn't they just stay home? Why do they need a haircut so bad? Why don't they cut their own hair? And I don't know, it's, American culture is, it's, it's weird growing up in it and then like going to other places and realizing how, you know, how crazy we are. 
Yeah, and people don't really get. I tell people the 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 world experience is so needed in your life. Uh, so many people don't get to see what you're talking about. We we are pigeonholed. We stay in America, but it's so necessary that we see other cultures and see really how the rest of the world operates and views us as Americans. Yeah, America is like this weird bubble, and I mean, like the idea that you can walk into Walmart and buy a gun, like, I mean, that like that is. It sounds like a comedy movie or something. They're like, no, that's crazy. No way. You know, I'm like, yeah, you know, you pick up a loaf of bread, a glass of milk and a M16, you know, or whatever they are. Right. Uh, It's just, I don't know. I like in terms of like, okay, you pull out a menu from a restaurant. I showed some of my friends like restaurant menus of Detroit restaurants. I'm like, and they're like, uh, $4 for a taco? Like, that's crazy. You know, like, I mean, it's, the, the, the amount of money everything costs in the U.S. And then on the other side, the amount of goods that are subsidized in the U.S. or uh, minimized on the taxes. So people, like, you can get an iPhone cheaper in the U.S. than you can get it in Colombia. But, you know, so, so it's, a, it's a highly luxury item in Colombia. Where I mean, to the U.S., the the iPhone has almost become the standard. Like people are all like, "Oh, I have an iPhone," mm-hmm. um, and it, you know, an iPhone, a thousand dollar iPhone here in in the U.S. is a fifteen hundred dollar iPhone in Colombia. That's crazy, you know, and that's all just taxes. So you got to come home, man. You got to come home. Are you ready to come back and pick up pedicabbing? I mean, it's going to be 65 degrees next week. What's the plan? When are you thinking about coming home to Detroit? Uh, so I plan to be back uh, in the beginning of April. And uh, we're going to spend most of April just doing overhaul on the bikes. Um, you know, putting out uh, a few bikes. But, but mostly, like, uh, we, we took some grant money specifically for uh, upgrades. Um, like, so we're going to be putting, you know, new bearings, just, just the stuff that makes everything roll smoother. I thought so you were going to say, we're, I thought you were going to say we're putting some motors on there. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, just, just smooth, smooth rides, you know, uh, Detroit's one of the flattest cities in America. So, I, uh, it's, it's very doable to ride a pedicab in Detroit. You know, it's. You, you don't need a motor. Um, at the at the music festivals and things like that, where they have the eight passenger bike and they have them off road in the mud, like I can understand why those guys need motors. But for what we do, you know, it's it's just it's about athleticism. It's about just getting out there and riding the bike. Um, like I think that. I, I need my bike to be human powered so that my body can burn that energy so I can be as fit as I like to be. Yeah, man, that's awesome, brother. I am so happy that we could have you on and talk to you. Like I said, I just love to give people a little bit of insight because to the average person, they just know you as the guy who rides the pedicabs. They don't know you as the world traveler. They don't know you as being the awesome, beautiful person that you are, man. So Mars, Thank you for coming on today, man, all the way from Mexico. Anything, last things you want to say before I let you go? No, I mean, I love you, Jason. I'm really glad that you had me do this, you know? And, like, I, 
it's like when I think about being in the streets with my camera, I think there's been quite a few times when like I see you somewhere in the street and I get to snap a photo of you. And it always delights me to be able to take a good photo of the people I care about. And, uh, you know, I appreciate you reaching out to me and I feel like warm and fleshy and this is good. Thank you. Ah, I love you, brother. All right. I'll see you in April. I will get a hold of you before you come home. But when you get home, we're going to hang out, brother. I miss you. Cool. Me too. All right. Thank I'll you. talk to you soon.